And uh, we continue our series, which is topical on the Christian family. And we come now to our theme of education. What is it that God requires of educating our children? These children that he has given to us, has God given his mind here? And so we are here to consider that. Uh, Our text, which is really a launching off point for the sermon, is Proverbs 9, verse 10. But uh, I will read uh, the beginning portion of Proverbs 9. So if you could turn in your copy of God's word to Proverbs 9, the first verse. And uh, we'll read down to verse 10. Let us hear the word of God, Proverbs 9 and verse 1. Wisdom hath builded her house, she hath hewn out her seven pillars. She hath killed her beasts, she hath mingled her wine, she hath also furnished her table. She hath sent forth her maidens, she crieth upon the highest places of the city. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. He that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And I'll read the next two verses as well. For by me thy days shall be multiplied, and the years of thy life shall be increased. If thou be wise, thou shalt be wise for thyself, but if thou scornest, thou alone shalt bear it. Amen. God bless his word to us. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we come now to a text in which wisdom cries out. And we pray that through the preacher, wisdom would cry out to the congregation, that wisdom would make wise the simple, even our children, in the fear of the Lord, that this would be the beginning of their education truly, which would be the fear of the Lord. And no man can make this change of heart, only God can. And so we pray for the Spirit to be in the preaching of the word and for the hearts, even of the little ones now, to be turned that they may understand what true education is in the sight of God and that we would all resolve, Father, to honor God with our children in every possible way, knowing that these are yours. And so we pray, Father, in the preaching of the word to such holy ends that in the preaching of the word that thou wouldst let us know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord. And we ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, when the average American Christian thinks of education, they think of perhaps these three, reading, writing, and arithmetic. That this is what education is. That we, as parents, will be the ones to supply to our children morality and religion in the home. Um, But schools are really just for basic skills. This is the kind of naivete that many American Christians labor under, and you might, if you were unkind, say, are deluded. But that is a rather novel view, friends, because 
Education, and the world has long known this, education is fundamentally and firstly moral. Education is fundamentally and uh, completely at its basis moral. You know, and this is what's become strange in recent years. You know, there have been controversies in Florida and other places when Christians get outraged at the thought that the state schools are teaching morality to their children. They get outraged at this kind of thing. But in actuality, that is, I'm not saying what they're teaching is right, but the idea that schools teach morality is right. And it is actually what God expects. But we get twisted in a knot saying, how dare they teach my child about sex? Or how they teach uh, social studies with a particular interpretive grid? Friends, again, you have it wrong. Education is moral. And the schools are doing what even nature itself teaches, which is to teach morality. It's impossible to divorce morality from schooling. You have to get to that basic fact. I was interested in, and you know, Texas in a lot of ways is a very conservative state in some ways. But consider the following mandatory portion of Texas public school curriculum, which is to have curriculum on mental health, including instruction about mental health conditions, substance abuse, skills to manage emotions, establishing and maintaining positive relationships and responsible decision makings, and suicide prevention, including recognizing suicide-related risk factors and warning signs. Why is this part of the curriculum? Because education is moral, and the state knows it. In addition to that, schools are always been designed to prepare children to take their place in society. The state knows it even if Christians do not know it. The question is, what society is the school preparing them for? Here again, the Texas Public School Code. You will find that social studies consisting of Texas, United States, and world history, government, geography, and economics, listen to these words, with emphasis on the free enterprise system and its benefits are part of the curriculum. In other words, there is no agenda-less education system. And maybe you support the free enterprise system and you think, well, that's just lovely. Um, Or maybe even your, your support of it is qualified. Fine. But I think you missed the point. What if they had put in another economic system there? What if they had put something else there about society that you are opposed to? You see, the schools are teaching through a particular interpretive grid what you say you you love free enterprise. Well, I would say, first of all, that needs to be qualified. But second of all, socialism. How hard would it be for them to put something else in there? Let me teach you on communism and its benefits. The point is this, really, and forget about communism and and free enterprise, your children are going to receive uh, particularly and precisely what it is that those who run the school have as their moral and societal agenda. School will train your child either to be part of the world's kingdom, which is Satan's in a sense, or train them to be part of Christ's kingdom. Those are the two options before us, people of God. Ordinarily then, the Christian is to see that they are not to send their children to an institution which does not have Christ as the center of it. You know, in our text, 
you have found here these cries from wisdom to enter into her house, into her building. And she is saying in verse 4, Whoso is simple, meaning childlike, a child, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine which I have mingled. And so wisdom invites the simple into her house. And the question is, what house are we sending our children to? Are we sending them to wisdom's house so that they may learn? And what is wisdom's house defined by? How does wisdom begin in verse 10? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy or the holy one is understanding. You say you want to educate your children. I wonder sometimes if we really do. Because education is not fundamentally about reading, writing, and arithmetic. But it is about the fear of the Lord to the Christian. This is where understanding begins. Because as we heard this morning, you can't even understand the creation unless you have the fear of the Lord. You don't understand why two and two is four unless you know that there is a God who regulates law. So our theme is, and I'm getting ahead of myself a bit, the education of covenant children must be biblically based. The education of covenant children must be biblically based. And we divide our time into three heads. First, education needs definition, and I've started some of that. Second, education molds morals. And third, education creates citizens. So first, education needs uh, defining or definition. Um, Let me get one thing out of the way because you might think, well, there's the pastor, he homeschools his children, he must be against schools. And absolutely not. Absolutely not. I am not against schools at all. Uh, Though we do homeschool, that is not the only valid form of schooling for children. And it has actually been a very novel approach to consider that or suggest that, especially for Presbyterians. You remember John Knox had uh, um, supported the creation of of schools in Scotland, but they were all religious in basis. They were part of the establishment in terms of there was established religion, the Christian faith, the Reformed faith in Scotland, and the schools were teaching at the very core the faith, and all instruction was in view of it. Uh, Even in this country, you remember the New England public schools very early on. They had a biblically-based outlook. Children, you might remember the New England primer, right? The 17th century American schools used it. How did it teach the alphabet? Children, it said, A, in Adam's fall, we sinned all. B, thy life to mend, this book attend. Um, All the way to Z, Zacchaeus did climb the tree, his Lord to see. This is how children learned the alphabet in this country in their grammar school. So the early public schools in America sought to integrate the word into its curriculum, which is right. So even the concept of public school itself is not sinful or wrong. You know, those who say such things have a skewed version of theology or don't know church history very well. However, what we want to establish by God's help is that the schooling of children must be biblically based, whatever form that takes for a particular family. Meaning, in other words, you can have ungodly and sinful homeschooling. We're talking, some of us, this morning, and we remember that after the pandemic, so many were homeschooling their children, atheists and secular people. But God wasn't part of the curriculum, was it now? So Christ not being the foundation even of your homeschool Christian, 
uh, would then make that schooling sinful. Same with private school. You know, you can send your covenant child to an academy that is purely secular, and that would be wrong as well, because they're not teaching Christ as the center of life. So public, private, or homeschool, the issue is always where Christ fits or whether he has been utterly rejected. So let's understand the education first of covenant children from God's perspective with that uh, understanding and preface. Let us remember, and we forget it very quickly, why did God give us our children? You, You know, if you don't start with that question, you're going to get everything wrong. Do you know why God gave you your child, Christian? Why? For them to have a smashing career? No. For them to be better suited to this sinful society? No. That is not why he gave your child. Malachi 2.15 says he makes a man and a woman one. Why? That he might seek a godly seed. This is why God gave you your child. And if you don't get it, everything in raising them will be wrong. You have a fundamental duty to the Lord to raise the child for him. For him. If you don't understand that, then your view on education but not just education, on hobbies, sports, church. It'll all be upside down backwards. You raise your children for the Lord, they are his. That means that even fundamentally, when you think of their well-being, it is subservient to the fact that the child is God's. This is what, you know, you think of Hannah, right, giving Samuel. It's a wonderful picture of what we are to do. We are to bring our children to the Lord constantly, 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 in every possible way. In view of that truth, then, the rest of Scripture makes sense when it comes to children. Why does he tell us to raise them in the nurture and admonition? Does he say in nurture and admonition? No. He says in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Ephesians 6, 4. Why? Because he seeks a godly seed. And children, nurture and admonition means this, discipling and instruction. That's what that means, discipling and instruction of the Lord. So then we have to ask the question, right, when we think on education, who is doing the bulk of discipling and instruction? And what system, what scheme are they operating under? Is it a system that honors God or is at enmity with God? See, again, these are just fundamental questions we have to ask but often don't. Just consider how many hours of schooling a child receives at school and compare it to the number of hours of instruction that they receive in the church and in the home. How much discipling and instruction comes from Christ or from other sources? Now, some have estimated, I haven't done the math, but I trust it's in the ballpark anyway, that between kindergarten and graduating 12th grade, the average American public school child receives 16,000 hours of education. 16,000 hours of education in the schooling. In Texas, and I looked this up, the average number of hours in a public school day is a little over seven hours in the state. Seven hours in the school. Then, as you well know, parents, there's homework that gets assigned. And then they spend more time in the home uh, under that system. So maybe you get some time in family worship afterward. But you have to ask the question, what system is doing the discipling and instruction? Which is it? Is it predominantly Christ or one that honors Christ? Or is it predominantly one 
in which it doesn't even, by the way, treat your child as they are, which is holy, but treats your child as one that is profane. What system has your child in its clutches? One that treats your child as profane or one that treats it as holy? Small wonder then that by the time many Christian children are ready for college, most children in secular schools are ready to renounce the faith of their fathers and mothers and embrace immorality in the world. And you really, in America, cannot help but think that the evil one just laughs at this kind of thing. You've given over your child for 16,000 hours to uh, the enemies of God, and you expect your child to still retain the faith. It ought to pain the heart of the Christian to do this kind of thing willingly. Well, if you want to be educated, truly so, where do we begin? Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Now this morning you heard that true wisdom does not begin with the philosophers. certainly doesn't begin with Dewey. It begins with the Lord. The instruction of children must be according to the fear of the Lord. For it is the knowledge of the Holy One and His ways which is true understanding. For in Him are hidden what? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Why can we even read and communicate? It is because we are made in the image of God. Can you understand how even reading and writing can be anti-Christ? if it doesn't admit that the reason I read and write is not because I evolved from the slime, but because God made me in His image. And because God speaks, I speak. You see, fundamentals, even like reading and writing, have to do with God. And when a child is taught that they are nothing more, nothing more than a series of molecules that have been arranged in a certain way, no different than a fish or a fowl, They will not have education truly. This is just the plain truth of the matter. We think and rationalize unlike dumb beasts because we are made in the image. But that is not what secular schools teach you, is it? That's a very noble thought, isn't it? Thinking that we are no different than a cockroach ultimately. But that is what your children are taught. (sighs) Send your children to secular schools and they will learn from the beginning God did not make them. And God did not create them as a special creation. And there is where everything goes upside down. We talked about the need for creation as an important doctrine this morning. And you have to ask the question, right? Why would you want to give a covenant child over to somebody who doesn't fear the Lord? Even from a standpoint of protection, Why would you hand over a child that is declared as holy to one that does not fear God? Why would you want, actually, I just thought of how these two themes have interrelated this morning. Why would you want one who is called a fool in God's eyes to teach knowledge to your children? That's what the Bible says, that these are fools in God's eyes. Even if they claim to be Christians themselves, when they teach the state's agenda, they are denying their Lord and his rights to the truth. Isaiah 8.20 says, If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. 
And this is who we are handing our children over if it is a secular school. And such instruction, in fact, is sinful if it comes from unbelievers. That's just a biblical truth, brethren. Proverbs 21.4 says, The plowing of the wicked is sin. The teaching of the wicked is sin. Even if they teach you something uh, that reflects the natural order, they do it and they deny God at the same time. So let's get to the core of the matter once again. Education is not about a few intellectual skills. It is deeply connected with the nature of the soul made in the image of God. Education nurtures the soul of a child. (laughs) And I just thought about this, right? Even the nature of of the soul is disputed in secular schools. They're not going to teach you you have a soul. And that ought to just inform you just how how backwards it is. It's almost like I often talk to uh, my children about, uh, I was talking to my daughter about the... um, uh, the, the, the practice called psychology, right? What is the root of it? It comes from the study of the soul. And yet psychologists today deny the soul. So it's very interesting, isn't it? Uh, the idea of a soul is, of course, necessary. Our children have a soul given to them by God. And um, the nature of a soul is rather simple. A soul is a simple entity, You know, we speak of the heart, will, and intellect as faculties of the soul, but these faculties are all interrelated and not compartmentalized, such that you cannot truly, you know, rip one from the other. The heart and the mind are not truly separate. The will is not disassociated from the heart. The soul forms the personality of a person, and that is a spiritual matter. It's not like we have a brain that is disassociated from our soul. As though all of our thinking is purely physical. That's what the school will teach you. But it is our our will, uh, our mind, which is a faculty of the soul by which we think. And our soul, uh, into which all of our learning is imbibed into, is made in the image of God, meant to be conformed to God's image in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, with the law of God stamped onto our hearts. That is what the soul is to be fed And at a tender age especially, the soul of a child is being molded and being shaped and being influenced. It is either trained to be worldly and God-denying in its outlook and it's pernicious in many ways and subtle, or it is being trained to think God's thoughts after himself. Education cannot be purely intellectual, but there is a spiritual component to it. I'm going to go back to things I've already said, but I think it needs to be restated. Let me ask you this. How do you educate on human origins? Is that not a spiritual problem? Yes. How do you educate on why two and two is four? Is that not a spiritual question ultimately? Yes, there is a God of order, as we even sang this morning. Where... Can we even say the scientific method has its basis? Is that not ultimately a spiritual question? The Christian says because God is a God of order and not confusion. That the the scientific method works. And friends, don't think that the schools will avoid answering these questions. They will be taught, your child will be to deny God in every single one of these points if they go to a secular school. 
And do you think really that your children are equipped from the time they're four or five to navigate these weeds intellectually or spiritually? No. Or what about providence? Talked about several underpinnings. What about providence? You are going to find that the schools are going to teach your children how to interpret providence as well. Why will they be taught, and this is, this is what we're dealing with the secular schools, right? Why will they be taught on why their school was shot up? Is that not a spiritual matter? It is a profoundly spiritual matter as to why their school was shot up. What will they hear? Will they hear that the school shooter was a sinner? No, they're going to sit down for some lesson for hours in which they're going to hear that people are fundamentally good They are victims of their circumstance, and so on and so forth. They had access to weapons. The man or the the young person was troubled. That maybe even the, the, the man or the young person was bullied by Christians who made him feel bad about who he was. You see, they learn all kinds of things in school. All kinds of things. And you have to be wise to it. The instruction that is vital for our children has to come from the Lord. Instead of hearing about that kind of doctrine of man, they need to hear that man has fallen. Man is a sinner. Man needs redemption. This is what explains school shootings. It's the sin nature of man. And that all men need a savior. That violence in the heart is as murder, Jesus said. So these are the things that the the child is not going to learn but it's going to learn something contrary in a secular school. Never will they hear that what happens and transpires in such cases is because someone is a sinner. They will no longer hear, A, in Adam's fall, we sinned all. So all education, mark this well, trains and disciples the soul. That is why as I read through Texas curriculum, educators know that curriculums are not purely intellectual, but moral as well. The question is, do we know it as Christians and do we understand what the implications are? So I bled into our second heading, education molds morals. So let's continue on in that way. And let me be plain. No civilization has ever seen education as anything but moral. It would be a novel view entirely if you think that education isn't moral. One man said it like this, to educate the mind of a bad man without correcting his morals is to put a sword into the hands of a maniac. That is what education without morals gets. You get the world's greatest scientists who are going to reign, uh, put Jews in gas chambers if education doesn't have morality. You are putting a sword into the hands of a maniac. And so all education must be moral. Society knows it. It's reflected in our state schools. Children are to be raised with morals. It's plain to see in the word of God. Deuteronomy 6 tells us to fill our children with the word of God. I've preached on that. I won't uh, re-preach it today. But also Ephesians 5, the Lord plainly says to train and discipline them in the Lord. That's where their discipline is found. Have you ever wondered why the state schools often speak in this way? We talk about our school values and our ethical standards. They understand what Christians deny. Schooling is ethical. And the question is, whose morals are children learning? God's 
societies, the states. You know, the state is more and more interested in giving your children morals. You know that. That's what a lot of the fights have been, even politically. Especially as it sees Christians as enemies of the secular state's goals and doctrines. They have an agenda with your children to, quote-unquote, deprogram them from what they are learning from you and to make sin acceptable and embraceable by all. Now, in some ways, we live in a very blessed time because this has become so plain to deny it is like denying the nose on your face. Right? That the state schools have an agenda to make sin acceptable. Their purpose is, and I'll talk about this in the third heading, to make them good citizens of the state and not the kingdom of God. That is their goal. So I will also say that your child's conscience is greatly affected by their school environment. Their conscience is being trained by their school environment. Recently, again, you've seen controversies over what schools teach, homosexuality, transgenderism. And so secular schools wanting to reflect society wants to affirm that these sins are valid to embrace and that those who say otherwise are bigots. What is that but morals being taught to you? That even those who espouse such things, you think about this at the earliest age of a child, that these people are to be shamed and mocked and ridiculed. What does that do to the conscience of a child? It shapes their conscience. What happens to the conscience of a child if they're constantly hearing the drumbeat that God did not create all things? Or they're constantly hearing that man is fundamentally good, that all man needs is a shift in their thinking towards the views of whatever secular idealism is prominent at the time they're in school. Then all would be well in society. Is that not a doctrine that is taught? If you had this kind of way of thinking, then then there would be no problems in society. What if they are taught the great virtue of the secular state? That all the problems in world history come down to this one R word, religion. You know they are being taught such things. Or what about this? That we need to embrace all faiths. We need to embrace Islam. I saw that after September 11th, right? Schools being taught. We have to embrace, not just uh, be kind to persons of different faiths, but that all faiths must be embraced. What if they teach the great virtues of the separation of state and church such that you are programmed and sometimes the American's the hardest person to deal with biblically because they have been indoctrinated for so long with certain concepts and you ask, where did they get that from? Ah, school, school. Such that we think it is terrible to have a state that is under Christ. You learned that at school. You didn't learn that from the Bible. Some of this is subtle, some of it not so, but all of it is poison to a child's conscience. And on what authority then? Now we talk about the authority problem. Under what authority are they going to learn these moral, quote-unquote, virtues? Who is their authority? Is it the state? Is it our society? Or is it Christ? For instance, when the teacher says something like this, we need to treat all men kindly and nicely, or they say, be accepting of all people, or even things like be obedient, do not lie, uh, be diligent, do not steal. On whose authority are they saying that? That's an important question. 
because it speaks to the nature of authority. In a secular school, whose authority is it? Simply the schools, simply the teacher, simply the state. But children are to be taught what? That all authority is of God. That if their teacher says something that is contrary to the word of God, what is their God-given duty? To say, I will follow God rather than man. They are not taught that. There is an absolutism even in the authority in secular schools. We are taught why we love our neighbor as ourselves, because thus saith the Lord. We know that love rejoiceth not in iniquity as well. And we understand that from 1 Corinthians 13. So we don't just embrace all kinds of actions and sinful behaviors. We do not lie because children. Why do you not lie? Because Satan is the father of lies. And there is no truth in him, but God is truth. Why are we diligent? Because God says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. That is why we do those things. And that is not what children are taught in school. God must be at the forefront of all education. So on the positive side of the ledger then, you are to put them in a school uh, that instills the values of the Lord, that God is the key and foundational source of all truth, that he is the source of all authority, and that it is his precepts to be obeyed, and not God deistically, not God as false religions would teach him, not to put them in an Islamic school or a Roman Catholic school, but one that would teach God as he has revealed to us in the Holy Scriptures through Jesus Christ our Lord, not through false prophets like Mohammed or through popes. As you heard this morning, the revelation of God comes through his Son, and an education that is required is one that says Jesus Christ is the way and the what? Truth and the life. He is the truth. Thy word is truth. Without that basis, what what hope is there for any truth? They need to learn that nothing makes sense without the Lord ultimately. That their conscience must be held captive to the word of God. That they are to close with Jesus Christ and must be born again. Otherwise, you see it all the time. All they end up learning is the world's thoughts after itself. You know, this takes a lot of training and discipleship. More than I am capable of doing two hours a Lord's Day and you are capable of doing in the scraps of time you have in family worship at the end of the day. This is, you want to take those 16,000 hours, friends, and pour it into a place that pours Christ into your children. Such that by the time they do graduate from the 12th grade, you commit them to the Lord and you say, now... They have had a training in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and now may they be blessed as they enter the world and they continue their education in places that are hostile to Christ. But you have given them the fundamentals of true education in the scripture. I also want to deal with something else. Schools are not these little pods where you have a teacher and you have a student. They are a collective of students along with teachers. And there is a problem with their peers in a secular place, who do not know the fear of the Lord. Just in my own background, I learned a lot of immorality from my peers. Absolutely so. I even craved it growing up. I looked up to many of them, especially those in the higher grades. I saw what they did and I imitated them. 
They were worldly. I became more worldly. Now, I was not a Christian at the time, but in large part, I rejected the values of my parents. Why? Because of my peers. They brought their values, the world's commitments and entertainments and the world's ways to my school. And what you need to understand, friends, is that in the Bible, friendship is meant to be a very discriminating matter. You heard this in Psalm 119 last week, that those who walk together are headed to the same place. Or as in Proverbs 13.20, mark this well, children. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You want to be surrounded with the wise who know the Lord. Um, In a secular school you are surrounded with, and this is not to be demeaning to anybody, but you are... Biblically speaking, surrounded with fools. And such will be destroyed if they do not turn to the Lord. You walk with, this is just a very easy way to consider it, children. You walk with those going to heaven, and you will find yourself likely going to heaven. You walk with those who are currently and presently going to hell, and you are likely walking towards hell. That's just simply the truth of the matter. Remember, It is the fool who says in his heart, there is no God, and that means the true God. But the wise man, woman, or yes, child, believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we ought to have our children in environments where at the very least, the children are taught the fear of the Lord. Remember 1 Corinthians 15.33, and I always thought how remarkable it is and how the scripture warns us on this point. Be not deceived. Evil communications or company corrupt good manners. Parents, if you think that your children are unaffected by ungodly peers, I think the scripture says to you this, be not deceived. Be not deceived. You're just deceiving yourself. You are plainly and patently being deceived. That's what the scripture says. Notice also the direction of 1 Corinthians 15.33. It is good manners being corrupted. It is not wicked manners being sanctified. In other words, you think this is the most ridiculous thing I think I've ever heard, which is that your children are being sent into state schools, secular schools, to be salt and light there. No, they're not ready to be missionaries. What they will have happen is their good manners will be corrupted. That is plain to see not evil company being made good. You are sending covenant children not as salt and light, but as sheep to the slaughter. That is what you're doing. You're putting them in an impossible situation in many ways. Their schooling environment must be such that their peers are committed to the word of God and to Jesus Christ. So that what we think about when they're surrounded by those who are at least committed to the fear of God, they can provoke one another to love and good works. You're not going to get that when they're surrounded by fools. So, all that said, and time is slipping, education molds a child's soul. And it's going to come both from their educator and whoever runs the agenda of the educator, as well as their peers. But lastly, let us remember something else. Those who educate, prepare children to function in a particular kingdom, which is our third and final heading. Education creates citizens. Now, the morals that are instilled in schooling prepare children to
to be citizens. This has always been part and parcel of state schools. You think about the agenda the government has in that. They, they want to create citizens of the United States. It seems obvious to me. It's obvious if you look at the history of state schools. Just think about state-run schools. 47 of 50 states require the Pledge of Allegiance. Where that fits in reading, writing, and arithmetic, you tell me. But we understand this plain truth. The state is trying to create citizens of the state. Good, compliant citizens who will pledge their allegiance to the state. I think if we just go along our way and not even think of what that means, because again, Americans, not always the most cognizant of their culture. I say that as an American. We have to understand what these things do to a young person at a tender age. Think of that. Five days a week, 13 years, you are pledging your undying allegiance to the flag. Now, I think our forefathers in the faith would have had a conniption fit just thinking about it. Because our allegiance is to Jesus Christ. Now, you can sprinkle in, and this is a later edition, under God in the pledge, but let me actually maintain this. That is blasphemy. That is taking God's name in vain. That is trying to use God to uh, ungodly ends, to try to sprinkle a bit of God in there. Because our state has no identification of the true God. Is this nation under God? (laughs) Really? You know, you might as well break the ninth commandment while we're at it. This is not a nation under God. Gay marriage is legal. That is not a nation recognizing it is under God. Abortion is allowed. That is not a nation recognizing it is under God. Polytheism is allowed. That is not a nation recognizing itself under God. Pornography is legal. That is not a nation recognizing itself under God, and so on and so forth. That is blasphemy, taking the name of God in vain. And yet children are having their consciences molded to think, my country right or wrong. We pledge our allegiance to Jesus Christ first and foremost. The pledge you teach your children is we ought to obey God rather than men. That is the pledge. So education is not only about intellectual skills, but prepares children to be citizens of the land. That is why you think about this. Now this all makes sense. Why does Texas teach the free enterprise system? You know that our nation's public schools were once co-opted by men like Carnegie because he wanted good, obedient workers in his system. You see, he didn't really want free thinkers. What he really wanted were good, compliant workers. And that's what this system teaches, is how to be compliant. In fact, I was reading an article on literacy rates. Now, if you think the state schools or something, listen to this. This is the U.S. Department of Education. It says 45% of adults 16 to 74 lack proficiency in literacy. They read below the sixth grade level. That is a government statistic, and it is shocking, given they run the schools. Now, The article, though, you might think, what was the concern of the article that reported on this? Was it the concern that, well, our people in America aren't free thinkers, that they're not capable of thinking, they're not capable of reading books and to understand truth? No, that was not the headline. The headline was this, low literacy levels among U.S. adults could be costing the economy $2.2 trillion a year. Now, if that's the point of education, you might as well just close everything up. 
That's not the point of education now, is it? To be a dirge in the system. Rather, the point of education ought to be to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So if you think that secular schools have your child's well-being in mind, think again. There's no intention to make your child a free thinker in secular schools. Uh, Indoctrination and conformity to the regime is what they want at the end of the day. Yet Christ says that he has come to set you free. To set you free from men. To set you free from sin. To set you free to serve God. And that is the aim of Christian education. Free to prosper in your soul and to feast on marrow and fatness. To have eternal and everlasting life. The government cares nothing about these things. The state cares nothing about those things, the things that really matter. In fact, we have to ask with that 2.2 trillion uh, article, what does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? Get the Bentley, fine. Go to hell. Well, you're not going to have enjoyed that Bentley after all. And insofar as education treats civic values, they are also ethical. Dabney said it like this. For the state refuses to be understood thus. It claims to educate as is witnessed by the universal argument uh, of the advocates of the state function that she has a right and duty of providing that the young citizens shall be competent to their responsibility as citizens. But these are ethical. Even the duty to be a good citizen. Now we can uh, understand from the word of God how the Christian is to be insofar as they can obey God good citizens of their nation, but insofar as they can obey God, there isn't this kind of um, unlimited, unrestrained obedience to the state. The state wants compliance. But what kingdom is it that our children are to be trained to be citizens of? The kingdom of heaven. Philippians 3.20, for our conversation or citizenship is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. They are to learn the law of the kingdom and not the law of the Medes and Persians. That is fundamentally what they need to learn. The Ten Commandments are to be their charter. The gospel of Christ is their sole hope. And that is the citizenship that they must long for. And that is all contrary to the way of secular schools, brethren. Yes, they're going to learn civics in the secular school, but they will not learn the civic, uh, civic lesson that really matters, that all nations are to be under Christ. That Jesus is always right, not my country. Not even when it is the president or Congress or Supreme Court. No matter if it is the popular um, television programs of our time, Jesus is always right. They need to learn that. He is the king. So fundamentally, and with our time running away, I'll just return to the thesis of why God has given children to you. He desires a godly seed. 1 Corinthians 7.14, we read that the children of believers are, what's the word? Holy. I think if you just had that idea, you would do well. That's why our children are baptized, that they are the Lord's. They are holy. They are not profane. They are not unclean as that text says in 1 Corinthians 7. And what must we not do with holy things? Hand them to pagans to fulfill with their paganism. You remember in the book of Daniel that we've been reading through how Belshazzar put the holy things of God's temple to profane use. He had a drinking party and he was drinking through the holy um, 
instruments of the temple, of the vessels of the temple. And what happens? The wrath of God is kindled against him and he would be slain. Jesus said, give not that which is holy to the dogs. That applies to your children because they are holy. Can you imagine, brethren, in any possible scenario that Joseph and Mary would hand Jesus over to the Romans? Why? Because he was consecrated to God, he's holy. You know, much of our problems, schooling and otherwise, is a lack of understanding on this point. Our children are holy, set apart for the Lord, and not set apart for Caesar. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Who do our children belong to? They belong to God. Render unto God the things that belong to God, meaning your children. Do we hand them over to the instruction of their soul, the molding of their conscience, the right and proper uh, kingdom to be citizens of to Caesar? No, we hand them over to God. And so having heard these things, you can understand now the baptismal vows in the RPCNA. Baptismal vow number one begins or says this, and this is fundamental. Sometimes you read vow number two without reading vow number one, but don't do that. Vow number one, do you believe this child is a possession of God entrusted to your care? Your very first admission is that the child being baptized belongs to God and you are just a steward. And it is required of stewards that they be faithful, that you be faithful to the charge God has given you. Why? Because God desires a holy seed. Vow number two, It comes and it begins with this, in this light. See, it doesn't make sense without vow vow number one. In this light, do you promise to provide for his or her temporal well-being, to teach him or her to love God and his word, the Bible, and to provide him or her, here it is, with a God-centered education. So in view that the child is God's, you vow that the child will be given a God-centered education. Is this not fitting in view of baptism in which they are marked as they are, which is holy and set apart for the Lord? And so we vow what is right to vow to God, that they will have a God-centered education, not just one or two hours on the Lord's day, but their education as a whole is God-centered. And what you have to understand is even if you think, which would be folly, that your school is not teaching against Christ, the Lord said those who are not for him are against him anyway. If they will not learn the truth of Christ as creator and redeemer, they are against God and the education is not God-centered. So let's apply what we have learned. Secular schools, especially state-run secular schools, are no place for covenant children. Christian schools, absolutely a possibility. Now, not all Christian schools are the same. Be discerning as to what it is that they teach. You especially want one if possible, that teaches the Reformed faith. Homeschooling is another option, of course, and you're in full control of the curriculum. However, don't make the error of thinking it's the only option. But it's a very good option if you can do it. Um, Brethren, let me plead with you at the end here. There are many reasons to think this is unimportant or that you can rationalize these truths away. But if you love Jesus Christ, who has given that child to you, 
and you bless him for opening the womb to give the child to you. You want their soul to prosper, yes, but you rather want to glorify Christ most and to not hand over what is holy to the dogs. Your desire ought to be like Hannah to devote the child to the God who gave the child to you. Then you will find a way and God will bless you. If you, This is your heart in finding a way to give a Christian education. Now let me just say I, I understand that some of you have come from difficult circumstances and the Lord knows this. Some, Christ, some children are stuck between two homes due to divorce or something like that. Some may be presently single and their income is not very great to afford school and it may be difficult to change a child's education right now. But I would say have the desire and bring it to the Lord. And with the God-honoring desire, it is incredible to know the kind of things the Lord will do if you desire what is right in his eyes. He will do things that are beyond. He can do more than we can expect or imagine. So desire to give the child to God in their education and don't seek, uh, don't stop seeking a way to it. You'd say in prayer, Lord, I know this child is thine. You know the difficulty, so remove the difficulty for the sake of thy glory. Oh Lord, will you give me a way to provide for this child's education? And I am constantly amazed at our brethren in China who are struggling so greatly and suffering so that they can give their children Christian educations because they know what it means to hand the child to the state. And there are many children being raised to have no government identification at all, no privileges at all, because they know it is better that the child know God than to have any temporal benefits in this society. If that were our heart, if that were our heart, that we were willing to sacrifice anything so that our children would know the Lord. If any group of children, Christians should know such things, it ought to be Presbyterians. Let me also caution, though, for any here who would be tempted to look down on their brethren who might be using a means of schooling that you may not approve of yourself. Now, some people are in situations that you just have no idea, so you need to be understanding of these things. Now, if somebody rejects wholeheartedly the idea of Christian education, you have a different conversation. But I would just encourage you, brethren, don't look down on your brethren because you don't know all that a person might be going through. Well, brethren, for the good of your child's soul, let them go their days knowing Christ. That if they do end up rejecting the Lord, let it be after thousands and thousands of hours of Christian education, of memorizing the word of God and of catechesis. And if after all that they walk away from the Lord, well, they will have to deal with God on that matter. But let us not be the occasion of withholding God-fearing instruction from our children. The consequences can be quite dire, and I do not say that lightly. I say that with all love and concern for their souls. So God, help us to educate our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Amen. Let us arise for prayer if able. O Lord God of heaven, We bless you for every child here. Thou hast given them to their fathers and mothers to be stewards. Help us as stewards to be faithful, 
to not give what is holy to the, to the dogs, that we would give them an environment in which they may know the Lord and prosper in their soul. Help us to always remember that the beginning of knowledge and wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Help us to embrace that. Help our children embrace that too. And for those in difficult situations, may you protect the heart of their children as they seek the will of the Lord. Father, we have a care, as we heard in our call to worship, that the next generation would praise God. So we pray, Father, that you would fill their souls with good things, that you would fill their souls with the truths of God, such that their souls are so rich and filled with Christ, that they would walk after their basic education as children into a hostile world, but armed to know how to deal with it, that they would walk truly as um, salt and light, having heard, ye must be born again. May all children here be born again. We ask and pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.